boom. Welcome to episode eight of the Chasing Discomfort podcast. Check out our Instagram at I am Chasing Discomfort. And also you can follow the team at Team Chasing Discomfort. This episode, we jump in with Matt McDonald. He is the one and only official vertical diet coach based in Canada. And for those that don't know, the, the vertical diet was founded by Stan Efrendin, who is an absolute legend and G. Check out his rhino rants on YouTube. Um, this guy's an ex-IFBB pro bodybuilder, the world's strongest bodybuilder. And before you think this is just a chicken, rice and broccoli diet, trust me, it is not. Um, in my opinion, it's one of the most all-round encompassing diets that covers not just your macros, but your micronutrients as well. Whether you're an athlete or a granddad looking to get off medications or just get healthier and drop some weight by eating real food that gives you all your micronutrient profile to live a better life. So this jump straight in and enjoy. Here we go. Episode eight. Yeah, buddy. Matt McDonald. Hey. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Chase and Discomfort podcast. Yeah. Um, super stoked to have you on. Um, I'm going to give a quick intro to the topic of today's podcast because it's something that's close to my heart. Um, around about five years ago now, I stumbled across uh, a guy online called Stan Efredin, who we'll go into a little bit more detail shortly. Um, but he was talking about a whole host of free advice on his YouTube channel and everything just made perfect logical sense. And he had spent years and years and years of blood testing himself and laying out uh, an almost perfect, if, if that exists, but a close to perfect um, diet. And when I use the word diet, I mean that's an all-encompassing lifestyle. Um, and it's called the vertical diet and you are the one and only official vertical diet coach in Canada joining us all the way over from the other side of the Atlantic <laughs> the, uh, the, wonderful, the wonderful power of the internet so um, b before we deep dive into the vertical world uh, Matt give us a little intro of yourself your background and um, how you've how you've got from when you started to where you are today Sure. Yeah, I'll try to keep it uh, succinct. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm from BC, Canada, um, a little town called Surrey. It's actually not that uh, small. It's about five hundred thousand people, uh, close to Vancouver. So, anybody who followed the Olympics in the last ten years, uh, two thousand ten, we had the Olympic. We hosted the Olympics, so, um, so it kind of put put us on the map uh, that way. Uh, so yeah, grew up out here. Um, uh, basically, uh, uh, did all my schooling here. I was at a private school. Um, I was able to uh, get onto the fire department, as that was kind of a a goal of mine coming out of high school. Uh, so I joined the fire department in 2010 uh, and got fairly into training right out around high school. I guess. Essentially, I, I kind of grew up kind of a skinny kid, didn't have a whole lot of muscle on me, and uh, I was known for, I was more of a speed guy <laughs> rather than a uh, lifting weights guy, so 
but I knew that the fire department, I needed to be strong. I needed to be able to, uh, to be able to pull my weight, so to speak. So uh, I got into lifting weights and kind of fell in love with it. Um, and then shortly after I joined the fire department, I, uh, got into bodybuilding, um, and, you know, kind of followed the generic bodybuilding advice, got kind of the bodybuilding magazines and followed their diet nutrition advice, you know, chicken, broccoli and rice kind of being the, the main, uh, the mainstay of the diet. Um, we've all been there, right? Yeah. It seems to be the, that seems to be where everybody kind of starts off. So, um, <laughs> But in general, you know, I, I was trying, I was paying attention to my nutrition, but I was more about about the, the weightlifting and and uh, bodybuilding. And then I ended up getting some good progress, good gains in the gym. And a friend of mine said, "Hey, you should think about competing." And I had never really crossed my mind. I didn't really think I had a good um, stature for it at all. And uh, um, you know, kind of looked into it and I, I found a, a coach that was in our area, a bodybuilding coach that's been in this, in the, in the game for, you know, 25, 30 years. And, uh, I messaged her and she said she was willing to take me on. And so I just dove into it with her and she really straightened out my nutrition. That's where I kind of started learning a little bit about how to manipulate, uh, carbohydrates and, uh, my macros essentially lining those up and uh, really calorie um, counting essentially, which was great. Um, and so then I was fairly fastidious in, in logging all my nutrition along the way. Um, uh, I guess I should give a little bit of my, my family history as well. I'm married. Uh, I've got four kids. So that plays into a, a big part of, of my life. And that's, um, you know, that's where I spend a, a lot of my time right now is, uh, is with them and, and, you know, showing up for them every day. So, um, I just want to give a shout out to them, obviously, <laughs> before I get too deep into it. Um, and then, so I did a few shows. I did, um, uh, two kind of local shows. I qualified for a, um, the, the provincials, uh, BC provincials. Um, and then, I, uh, I placed sixth, I believe it was sixth. I was out of the top five, so then I kind of decided that I wanted to kind of take my life in a different direction. So, um, it was around that time that I came across the vertical diet. And, uh, you know, at that point, it was funny. I felt like I had, I had kind of seen it all in the nutrition world. Um, and I think, I believe I came across, uh, it was Stan's, he was on a podcast, I believe, and he, and he was throwing out some of that free advice that you were talking about. Um, and I just tried one thing, and it was the the added salt to the diet. And because it, it was kind of hard to understand, I didn't really understand. I never heard of the vertical diet before. I was trying to figure out what it all was about, but I added this one thing to my diet. To my diet was the salt, and it, I went to the gym. And I believe it was a it's a half teaspoon uh, before training half an hour before training um and my my workout was unbelievable uh, i was having uh i was achieving higher numbers and my stamina was better uh i was felt stronger um just pulling this one albeit small lever uh so to speak and uh you know i was hooked at that point i went home and just did every 
tried to find every resource I could. Uh, I got into Stan, kind of what Stan was all about. And uh, yeah, that's how I kind of found it. Um, and then after that, uh, I followed the, the, uh, the vertical diet pretty much to a C for, I'd say, about a year. Uh, I guess that would be 2017. Uh, followed it for a, a year. And then I saw that Stan was uh, doing a training session in Vegas. So I had to fly down uh, to, um, to complete the vertical diet coach, coaching course. Um, so I trained under Stan. Uh, he, he was incredible, um, incredibly informative. Uh, very everything he does, he makes it easy to digest. So uh, everything, uh, how he explains things, how he lays things out. Like you said, it's so straightforward. Uh, he's kind of created this perfect diet, so to speak, um, through all his experience and talking with some of the best minds, you know, we all, anyone who's done anything, we really stand on the shoulders of giants, right? So uh, that's where, how I kind of came across that. So Stan and his, and his vertical diet has worked with some of the, the world's top athletes, um, probably the most standout athlete uh, people will know from the Games of Thrones TV show, uh, AKA4 which is uh, one of the world's strongest men, previous champions. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his real name. Um, <laughs> I believe it's Hathor Bjornsson. I've said yeah, it a few times. Yeah. Really you, you said that 10 times better than I would. Um, <laughs> but just, just give us that, like a, a high-level overview of, because there'll be people listening to this game, what's the vertical diet? So, you know, treat me like I'm, a, I'm an alien. I've just landed on Earth, and you, you want to explain the vertical diet to me. Sure. Yeah, I know Hathor is a great, um, he's, he's a, was always a great ambassador for, this, for, the, for the vertical diet just because of what he's achieved high level. Um, but I try not to uh, focus on only the high level athletes because the vertical diet really is for everyone across the board. Um, it can be tailored essentially any way that you, that you want. Um, for someone like Hathor, his vertical diet is going to look very different uh, from your grandma Jean who wants to just feel better. Um, a big part of it too is people who are struggling with um, health complications, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, all these things can be addressed with the vertical diet, which is um, a very cool part of, of where Stan's coming from with the diet, just because so many diets nowadays, uh, even I hate even using the word diet because uh, it kind of implies this restrictive, um, you know, meal plan and uh, no fun and tastes bad and can't wait till I get my next cheat meal type thing. Cause that's, you know, coming from the bodybuilding world, um, you know, it's suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Diet is suffering. And, uh, and a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with that, that aspect of, of diet. So it really does become a lifestyle, but it's something that's sustainable. And with any uh, lifestyle or lifestyle change, uh, it needs to be, it needs to be sustainable. That's the only way that you're going to be able to um, essentially make it work long term. This is not a, I'm going to do this for three months. I'm going to get 
jocked and shredded, and then I'm going to be going to my next thing. It's can you see yourself doing this for five years? Can you see yourself following this for 10 years? Um, and I feel like that's what uh, the vertical, vertical diet is, is you can do it, you can sustain it a long period of time. Um, and how Stan's done that, how he's uh, managed to make it um, almost healing is he's taken into account uh, more than just your macronutrient profile. So for people who, I mean, I'm sure your your following is educated uh, in terms of uh, diet nutrition already. So with macronutrients, it's protein, fat, carbs. Those are kind of those main big three that people focus on as kind of this is the only thing I need to manipulate. This is all that matters. Um, but that tends to run out uh, fairly quickly, and you can you definitely can get results by doing that. Uh, you can get results by following a chicken, uh, rice and broccoli uh, approach, really you can. Um, but it, if it doesn't take into account um, uh, some other aspects of diet, then it, it, it ends to be, tends to, to run out pretty quickly. Um, and you'll see that with uh, some of these extreme diets. Uh, veganism, for example, it just doesn't take into account uh, a lot of these um, principles of diet that make it sustainable. So um, with Stan, I mean, some people wonder where even the name, oh, why is it called vertical diet? Some people don't really understand that. And um, the way that he's um, almost formulated it is uh, to build a house for example, uh, you need a firm foundation. Um, your body is that house. So if I want to build up my body, I need a firm foundation of um, micronutrients. So Stan really emphasizes getting uh, every one of these micronutrients in check before then building the diet macronutrient-wise. So by, by um, getting vitamin A, vitamin D, uh, vitamin C, your zinc, all your fat-soluble vitamins, getting all those through um, these specific foods uh, and checking those off, you are essentially telling your body, okay, now you can, you can now build your body. If you are deficient in any of these minerals, uh, these micronutrients, essentially your body's not going to prioritize growth. And so for a lot of people, um, that is the goal growth. Uh, but for some people, they are sick as well. And they're dealing with these uh, medical conditions. And if you are deficient in any of these micronutrients, uh, you're going to have a difficult time uh, resolving those things. So um, he's laid out a, a list of um, these daily foods uh, that take up all these micronutrients that no matter who you are, Hathor or a grandmother um, um, looking to build your diet, as long as you're getting these, these foods in in a certain amount, um, that is, the, that, is that, the horizontal part of your diet, the horizontal part being your foundation, your stable foundation to then build off of. And then 
the vertical part of the diet, which is what essentially builds your body, is the macronutrient profile. And that is where it's going to vary quite a bit. And he utilizes for each thing um, with fats, proteins, and carbs, he utilizes certain things, red meat being the main driver of, of your protein. So if you need to build your protein up, because his daily food list does have some protein in it. It has a bit of a bit of dairy, um, some eggs. So if you're getting that in as your as part of your horizontal foods, um, then you build off of that uh, with these with the red meat or with a, a kind of a, um, a protein source of, of of meat, so to speak. Uh, carbohydrates, white rice being the one of the main ones, just because white rice is very easy to digest. Um, the body uses utilizes it very well. Um, and for somebody like Hafthor Bjornsson, who's eating 10,000 calories a day, uh, I don't know if maybe the average person doesn't know what a normal calorie, they might not know what a normal calorie intake is, but it's somewhere around 2,000. If you're active, maybe 3,000, mm -hmm. he's eating 10,000. So if you're bloated and you're eating uh, Subway sandwiches after every meal to try to get your, uh, your calorie counts up, it's just not going to work. You're just not going to be hungry enough at your next meal to be able to get that amount of, uh, of nutrition in that amount of calories bulked to, to be able to even then hit the gym. I don't know if you've ever hit the gym with a full stomach. Sometimes it can be pretty tough, but, um, and then on the other, on the other side of things, say it's, um, you know, Jane housewife that wants to just get into shape, maybe lose a few pounds. As long as she's getting her daily foods in, she doesn't have to really add any white rice. You know, if she doesn't want, if she wants a lower um, calorie intake or a lower carbohydrate intake, um, that can be tailored to her as well. And there's there's ketogenic style of vertical diet. There you you can do a a carnivore style uh, vertical diet. It's um, it's very malleable. Um, I think the the baseline of getting those uh, minerals, vitamins and minerals uh, through whole foods is kind of the magic behind uh, the vertical diet is essentially giving your body the okay to to deal with these other areas that you're trying to, to deal with. Hopefully that's not too long-winded for you. No, look, I, I, I think uh, now is the perfect opportunity really to jump to some of the main headlines from the vertical diet and and I agree with you when you said about the sodium change. Um, yeah. For me, especially in the British culture, it's salt, along with red meat, actually, has been demonized by a lot of the media and a lot of people saying, you know, if you have salt, you'll get heart attacks, you'll get cardiovascular disease, um, it will negatively impact your health. I think what's really important um, to, to get the message out is that table salt, aka sodium chloride, um, is potentially uh, damaging to yourself. However, uh, an ancient sea salt, for example, pink Himalayan sea salt, um, mm. or I know you guys get out there get the Redmond real salt, um, and, and back here in the UK, something like the Malden salt that's made locally here, um, they are taken from ancient waterways that don't have the pollutants in that are in our regular seas now. And, and the reason why sodium um, is, is such a salt-after nutrient. Um, just say, for example, 
Himalayan sea salt. I believe there's 80 plus 87 micronutrients in it. Um, and the word salary comes from the Roman army because salt back then was so important that they used to pay soldiers in salt. And that's where the word salary comes from. So you know, going back thousands of years, it, it was almost as important as gold. You know, it, it, it is effectively gold dust from the sea. Um, and, and one of my, and, and I never thought years ago that I'd be recommending this, but my go-to pre-workout is half a teaspoon of pink salt just laid on the tongue and, and washed down with water 30 minutes before exercise. And then because I, I'm quite a sweater, I sweat a lot, I'll do the same. Um, and we'll talk about the post-workout shake after. But, yeah, this, this dive into the sodium game, because my understanding, Matt, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but your body cannot produce sodium. So you have to get this externally, i.e. from your diet. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that the human body, um, it is designed to to deal with a lot of salt, too. Um, you know, 100 years ago, we just didn't have the refrigeration capacity either. Um, so food to be able to preserve it, it often was was quite heavily brined and salted. Um, so I think we are I think that's a major um, kind of overlooked or demonized um, uh, aspect of, of overall health. Uh, now we're talking about hitting the gym, right? But um, if somebody is deficient in sodium, um, there are so many processes that, 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 um, uh, that, that sodium um, is in charge of in the body that you can have disastrous uh, implications if you're if you are low in sodium, uh, right down to regular muscle contractions. Uh, it's it's kind of crucial. So, um, I, I think that um, blood pressure, uh, the way that they've they've demonized it by saying, uh, and, and you know, there is a small percentage of the population that is sensitive to to sodium. Um, so I don't want to say this across the board because um you know everyone it is there there everyone is very uh unique in a, in a sense that um the diet diet nutrition it can't really be given as a broad sense and i really encourage people to um to play with things themselves obviously under the guise of a um of a uh um, medical doctor, uh, if you've got concerns with that. Uh, but salt is a fairly safe thing to supplement with. Um, underlying uh, metabolic dysfunction typically is the the issue with high blood pressure. Um, uh, low potassium can be another uh, big driver in, in blood pressure. Um, and it really, there is a, a balance that needs to be struck between the two. Um, some say four to one ratio of, of a sodium to to potassium ratio um but typically our 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 sodium is inherently low and and you'll find too with people who start diets um they end up um cutting out a lot of processed foods um so if you're going from say standard american diet or just kind of a generic diet 
um, you're getting certain processed foods, you may eat junk food or uh, you go to fast food every once in a while, those foods are, are inherently high in sodium. Um, so if someone starts to clean up their diet, uh, they all of a sudden start to feel not so great. And they think it's because they've lowered their carbs or um, you know they're not getting enough uh, nutrition. Um, say they think their calories are too low. Um, and they're just feeling like garbage. They get into the gym, they can't get a pump going. Um, and that's really, uh, I, I want to say nine times out of 10 in that case, it's, it's a sodium deficiency. Um, so people add in a little bit of salt and, and maybe that was my case as well. You add in a little bit of salt before you go to train and all of a sudden your body can now prioritize, um, um, these muscle contractions and, uh, your energy levels because it's getting what it needs. And, and that's what it comes That's where it's kind of that I, I call Stan the genius, but, uh, that's where it is really genius where, um, he's, he's taking into account where we should be at with all these minerals and sodium, uh, is just such a big one with it in terms of electrolytes. Um, and even, even water gets played up as part of uh, proper hydration. Uh, I, I, you know, there's that, you know, eight cups a day, get enough water, but really you, with water intake, you really only need to be drinking when you're thirsty. Uh, your electrolytes play such a big role. If you're drinking too much water, on the other hand, you're going to dilute those, uh, those electrolytes, uh, unfortunately. And I always tell people, people, your, your pee should look like a lemonade color, like a, a very light yellow. You should never be peeing clear. Uh, really, and you should never have kind of that dark, dark yellow uh, color either. So just pass that message on. I've, I've been there, man. Yeah. You know, I, I was very much going down a, a, like a bodybuilding type of approach where it was a minimum of four liters of water a day. Um, and in the summer, uh, like I say, I'm a sweater, so that would rise to six liters. Um, and, and I practice like a CrossFit style of, of training methodology now. And I remember I jump up to the pull-up bar in the middle of a workout to start doing some kipping pull-ups. And every time I jumped, my calf just went into this crazy... Um, uh, a spasm. Well, well, like a spasm, but the, the, um, cr the cramping... There's, there's the word I was searching for. The cramping was like unbelievably debilitating to the point that I hit the deck on the floor and, I, and, and you know, I'm trying to jump up and get to this bar and I could not do it. And I was flying in the workout until that point. And then that's what made me go away because I was getting muscle spasms and, and that's what sort of made me look into the sodium. And that's how I sort of come across one of the rhino rants talking about salt. Um, and it, and it sounds crazy to, to sort of say that it can be such a, a game changer, but that's what I like about Stan's work and the vertical dialect, that if you really want to deep dive into the science and why, there's supporting studies into the reasons why he's, um, you know, his recommendations in regards to, like, like you say, the micronutrient profile of the diet. Now, there'll be skeptics out there saying, well, there's a study for, to prove anything, which is, which is agreeable, I think, to, to some point. Um, but, you know, the, the Salt Fix is a great book if people want to take a deep dive into the sodium world. 
there's there's um, a lot of stuff out there that you know, like you say, the electrolyte. It, it's been it's it's been sort of overviewed as there's almost like an on and off switch for your brain. So if if you think that you're being healthy and you're drinking lots of water, then potentially all you're doing is just diluting your micronutrient content. And if you're not if you're in like a starvation mode, like a uh, fitness bodybuilding sort of cutting mode, you know, you are not only depleting, but you, you're not getting anything in where you're eating this egg white, fish, you know, low fat, high protein sort of diet. Um, so this this sort of jumps into some of the main headlines of, of the vertical diet. So I think we've, pr- we've, we've covered sodium and, and that's a good thing. And it's, you know, this, this just put a bit of a disclaimer out there. You know, we, well, I'm definitely not a medical practitioner and everyone should always consult with their doctor before before trying any of this. But what what is proven um, with a lot of the stuff from Sanitai is that, like you said about the foundation, and he pitches early off that sleep is king. Um, and, and to coin one of his phrases, you know, if you're getting up early in the morning to do cardio, you're stepping over $50 bills to pick up one cents or two cents or, or whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah, that's agreed. I, I love that uh, that phrase um, because, yeah, that's truly what it is in terms of importance. You know, um, sleep is kind of that all all encompassing equalizer. In that, uh, if you you can be doing everything right. You can be following this to a T, uh, but you're going to bed at midnight and getting up at 4:30 to do cardio, like you said. Um, you know, some people some people like to brag about how little sleep they need, um, but I tend to brag about how much uh, that I'm getting. So, uh, honestly, if um, if this is something that you're not taking seriously, I guess anybody who's listening to this, um, uh, you can make a tenfold increase in in uh, your productivity and your uh, results, whatever they may be. Uh, you're trying to lose weight. You're trying to gain weight. You're trying to get healthy. Um, sleep is going to be this uh, one of these massive um, low-hanging fruit, uh, so to speak, that you can easily uh, do a few very simple things to hack into uh, to um, to reap the benefits of. I, I bang on about sleep to friends, family, you know, online, and what 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 I say now is is look look don't take my word for it. I will send you a link to a podcast with Joe Rogan and Dr. Matthew Walker. Yeah, love he's, it. <laughs> he's a British scientist. It's yeah. two hours of your life. Yeah. Listen, listen to it in a car journey. Listen to it on a run or a walk or whatever it might be. But whatever you do, listen to it and take it in. Because, you know, to quote him, if if sleep was a mistake, then it's the biggest mistake that Mother Nature has ever made. And, and like you say, people want this quick fix. They want the red pill. They want the new supplement. What, you know, what's going to make me get fitter, stronger, healthier, lose what, whatever, whatever the goal is. Mm-hmm. If sleep's not on point then that goal's going to suffer. You know, even if it's studying, um, you you know, on it doesn't happen to me very rarely because I've got a four-year-old twin uh, and they, they quite like interrupting my sleep every now and again. But yep. 
when you get one of them super long sleeps, like a nine and a half hour jobby, the the world is a different place. Your stress levels to how you might react to something from like a, a six, seven hour sleep to a nine and a half hour sleep is just worlds apart. Like you, you just almost feel like Bradley Cooper in Limitless and you can take on the world and deal with anything that's, that's being thrown at your direction. So um, yeah. there are lots of tricks and tips that people can try um, with sleep. We know sticking to like a regular circadian rhythm um, you know, that means going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time seven days a week, not just a Monday to Friday and then blowing it out the weekend. Um, we know the blue light exposure from technology these days is, is mimicking sunlight and telling, you know, each there's 3,000 receptors in each eye telling the brain to wake up because it's sunlight and it might be 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, we, we know that uh, your body needs to drop by roughly 1.5 degrees to be able to fall asleep. So you need to be in, in like a cool or cooler state or have a cool, cold bedroom. Um, talk to me about uh, CPAP machines and, and sleep apnea, because I'll be honest with you, it's not an area that I know a great deal about, um, mm. but I know it's part of, of the diet and Stan talks at length about it. Uh, yeah, so a CPAP machine essentially uh, it addresses uh, sleep apnea, and so sleep apnea is something that um, uh, I don't have the figures in front of me, but it affects a lot of a lot of people. Some people don't even know uh, that it affects them. Um, now, typically, people who uh, have a neck circumference of over 17 inches are very susceptible, and so. When it comes to Stan, some of his strongmen, um, you know, uh, they are heavy snorers. Snoring is a good indication that you you may have sleep apnea as well. But um, with with them, uh, he put them on a CPAP machine, and it was like night and day. Like you said, uh, their training uh, intensity went up. Uh, energy levels were all increasing and it just goes to show sleep is such an important part of, of general health and fitness but um, a CPAP machine essentially it creates um, uh, I don't know if anybody if anybody has had experience with it but um, it's a machine that creates positive pressure environment for your your airway um, so what happens is your your esophagus uh, the soft part of your throat uh, it's a muscle. Um, so if it hasn't been, um, some people have more developed uh, muscles in general, um, but breathing typically the esophagus uh, smooth tissue, um, it collapses if it's not uh, as um, getting air through it. Um, if it hasn't doesn't have that uh, opening size, it can quite easily collapse. Um, and then you get these events in the middle of the night um, that your body uh, is quite intelligent in that it's not going to just let you die. Uh, it's going to wake you out of a deep sleep or out of REM sleep to get you to move so that you're breathing again. Well, this is incredibly disruptive. And, and Matthew Walker talks all about it in his book, um, Why We Sleep. And uh, he's been on multiple podcasts. But there's these cycles uh, to sleep that are so important um, to cellular house cleaning, 
for your brain. Essentially, there's a lymphatic system that, that moves um, uh, fluid in and out of your brain and around your brain, uh, recycles it. And these things are so important to um, prevent uh, disease, long-term Alzheimer's, um, mental health. Uh, these stages are, are really crucial. So um, if you have these events, m multiple events, sometimes 50 to 100 of these times where your body, you actually stop breathing if you do a, a sleep study. Um, it is so, it really can wreck you uh, long-term. And events of um, cardiovascular disease, um, mental health conditions all skyrocket if you have um, sleep apnea. So by getting a, a CPAP machine, it really addresses that uh, positive pressure atmosphere for the um, uh, for the airway in that uh, you are able to just a little bit of air as you breathe in it helps to maintain that airway so that you can go into a deeper sleep you can get through into these cycles that you're supposed to be getting to without being having these events of not, not breathing at all um, so by addressing it with a CPAP machine um, you could be saving your life. It's I, I don't want to sound dramatic, but that truly is uh, what it's all about. And I think I think CPAPs can be a bit of a band-aid solution in terms of uh, a breathing um, issues. Uh, I, I believe that there there are ways if you um, go online and you there's there are ways to strengthen that airway. Um, uh, but a CPAP is a good option. Uh, some people can't deal with the CPAP on their face. It does take some time. Um, it does take, uh, there is an adaptation period because you've got something on your face. It's not really that comfortable. So um, yeah, I highly recommend if if you're waking up uh, low energy and uh, you, know, you feel like you can never get enough sleep, you've slept nine hours and then you need a two hour nap in the afternoon, I highly recommend going to a uh, a sleep um, kind of analysis center and getting a study done, and it's not it's not really that difficult. It's they they give you um, a little machine, it, it kind of they stick this two pronged uh, air tube that just kind of sits by the front of your nose uh, that measures how much you're breathing. How, if if you're uh, ever stopping breathing throughout the night, you wear a um, a monitor on your finger to uh, to monitor uh, O2 saturation, and, and it, if you're having, I think mild, uh, mild to moderate is somewhere around. Um, I can't remember now. Yeah, twenty to to fifty events, something like that, um, where where that's just not optimal. Uh, to if you're looking to optimize your body in any way, or even just try, just heal heal your body. Um, stopping breathing in the night is, is going to be a big issue. Do, do you use one or have you ever used one? I did, yeah. So I had a, a sleep study performed about two years ago. Um, I was quite a bit heavier. Uh, I was kind of uh, more into the bodybuilding um, aspect. I was, uh, I was essentially eating to uh, be the biggest human I could be. <laughs> Uh, uh, so I've changed my training quite dramatically uh, over the last year. Um, 
I suffered some setbacks with a, a back injury, which had kept me from training my a normal, my normal training. So I, I lost quite a bit of weight. Um, so that in turn really helped with, um, um, my sleep apnea cases. And so, and I came across a, a journalist, um, I guess, I guess the first, my first experience was, was I read the oxygen advantage by, uh, Patrick McEwen. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Yeah. I've got the book. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I honestly, that's one of the main books. If, if anyone's looking to, to optimize their athletic performance or has, you know, asthma or any breathing issues, uh, I highly recommend this book. It's a must read. Um, there, his exercises that he has in there, um, has essentially, uh, doubled my training efforts. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite amazing what a, what dysfunctional breathing, how that can hold you back. I feel like I had been a mouth breather, um, he touches on mouth breathing as being a, a big factor in a lot of chronic disease and uh, uh, problems within the human body. Um, and to go to a, a 24 hour, uh, seven days a week, breathing through your mouth, breathing through your nose at all times, um, never breathing through your mouth um, as we're the only animal in the animal kingdom that ever needs to uh, to that ever opens their mouth to to breathe if you look at any animal um dogs sometimes when they're overheated but chronically chronically breathing through the mouth uh it's it's just it's terrible for our health so i came across him and he talked about uh mouth taping which was kind of this uh, something that's kind of come up um a lot of people are starting to talk about it now but I started taping my mouth about two years ago, um, going to sleep uh, in, in efforts to um, uh, to improve sleep. I, I tried. I always try to hack my uh, sleep in every way I can, and and this mouth tape seemed a, a bit crazy. And I always love trying uh, using myself as an experiment, as experimental, um, and tried it out. And yeah, I, I I believe the combination of of losing some weight. Um, mouth taping, using nasal spray at night. Um, these things have kind of almost cured my sleep apnea. And so I, I got to the point where I retested and I was having zero, zero sleep apnea events at night. Um, so the CPAP was great uh, in terms of addressing immediately what the, the issue was. Um, but I think long-term, I, I think long-term people need to... Um, look at the root cause of, of these things. That's a really good story, Matt, and I'm glad to hear that, um, like you say, it can be a little bit of a Band-Aid approach, but the, the oxygen advantage, you know, the, the nasal breathing, um, for me, it is, is nothing short of a game changer. Um, I used to be that person when the going got tough in the workout, sounding like I was being strangled because I was, you know, just gasping for air. And now when I realize that if I, even when it gets tough and as hard as it is for that natural reaction to almost gasp, like when you're going into cold water, to, to be in control of that stress and dictate that you're still gonna take oxygen in and out via your nose, um, for me, it's definitely taken me up some performance levels. Um, and, you know, again, I, anyone who wants to deep dive into it, it's a fantastic book. 
Um, I've also read um, Breath by James Nestor. Yes, Heather. Um, recently finished the Wim Hof um, book, and I've been on one of his courses. And I'm a, you know, I can't speak highly of breath work, whether that's for performance, stress, sleep. Uh, you know, it's a, it, for, for me, you know, I can't speak more positively of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know sleep is king. In my opinion, we're probably looking at what you put in your mouth is queen. Um, and, and as you touched on, Stan's main sort of macros fall under the protein and fat comes via a, a portion of red meat, um, preferably like a steak uh, or, you know, as best quality as red meat as you can, can buy. And again, similar to the salt, there'll be people out there saying, red meat's bad for you. You know, it gives you this, it gives you that, it gives you this. Um, The quality and the ethicalness of how your animals are raised and reared and slaughtered, for want of better words, um, you know, I have come to accept that, that, you know, we are up there, I don't know about the highest. Um, we're definitely not in the water against an orca or a shark, but we're up there high in the food chain um, and, and life eats life. Um, everyone's free to make their own choices, but it's my opinion that whether it's for optimising health or optimising performance, an animal-based uh, diet is the best way to go for that. Again, that's just my opinion. Um the white rice we touched on with the carbohydrates. And again, there'll be other people saying, well, I thought brown rice was healthy for you. <laughs> um, this, this, just, this just sort of killed that little health notion of, of marketing that um, brown rice is, is more healthier than white rice. Now, brown rice is encapsulated in a shell that we find very hard to break down or don't digest properly. Agreed? Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it seems funny, like Stan does it, he lays it out fairly uh, simply. Um, you have to decide, and when it comes to these macronutrients, you have to decide what it is that, that you're wanting out of these, these foods. Uh, when it comes to protein. Um, so often people tout the benefits of brown rice because it has a higher protein content. But what what is the most bioavailable or, or usable source of protein um, that our body wants and thrives off it? It's not the protein, I can tell you right now, it's not the protein off the hull of, of, of a rice kernel. Um, in fact, that can, because that has such um, actually has anti-nutrients and actually uh, prevents us from absorbing certain minerals in the body. Um, and it can actually cause a lot of gastric uh, um, distension and, and issues. Uh, some people can handle it, uh, but if you're you're trying to take in rice, um, what are you using rice for? Rice is a, you're, you're taking in for a carbohydrate. And um, you want that to be, um, Essentially, your carbohydrates is what's refilling your glycogen stores uh, in your body. And you don't want the, this fibrous hull 
on a piece of rice to be interfering with the process that you want the carbohydrate for. You want it to be highly absorbable and usable to the body and not create these issues uh, that the protein from grains can cause. Um, and white rice is just this filler, uh, essentially. If you're trying to uh, increase your carbohydrates uh, to increase performance, white rice is a great option just because it is so quickly absorbed into the body. So if you're metabolically healthy and you're not insulin resistant at all, um, yeah, you could handle a lot more of that as well. So uh, figure out what it is that you're trying to uh, get from these macros and then choose accordingly. Don't try to kind of cherry pick, oh, I'm going to get more protein from this rice. Fill your protein. If you need 200 grams of protein in a day, fill it with with a, a meat source that your body is going to be able to to recognize and utilize very, very well. Um, that's kind of what I recommend. So we're hitting our main protein and fat from from red meat, from steaks. Um, we will twice a week, according to the, the diet recommendation, that we will get in a source of oil fish, i.e. salmon, mackerel, you know, something that's high in, um, you know, the omega-3s and uh, DPAs and, and all the other goodness that comes with those those fish fats. Um, our carbs, our main source of carbs is coming from white rice. Now again, it's dependent because you know not everyone's trying to be a bodybuilder or after the mum or the nan. You know you might take out that white rice and just replace that with fruit, which I think is a great a great time to. One of one of Stan's biggest recommendations, or one of his recommendations from the diet, is um, having a piece of fruit with each meal, and how the liver uh, reacts with that fructose and enables. And please correct me because I might be butchering this, but from my memory, how that fructose in the liver helps oxidize fat more smartly. Yeah, and um, also the body will prioritize um, the liver glycogen first. So essentially um, it wants to fill up that liver glycogen and then once that is done, then it will then prioritize to your, the other glycogen, um, skeletal muscle glycogen. Um, by adding in small, I, I wanna just, these are small amounts of fructose. Now, it's, don't get me wrong, fructose has 100% been been vilified um, as being this evil, evil thing. And a lot of people um, link it with high fructose corn syrup. Um, these things are, these things are not um, uh, interchangeable. Uh, fructose coming from a natural source of fruit, uh, like an orange or, or uh, berries or, you know, any, choose any fruit that you want. Um, that's going to be recognized very differently in the body than than a, than a corn, a high fructose corn syrup. It's in a lot of these processed foods. So um, by adding that in, essentially it, it restocks that liver glycogen, um, and then your body can prioritize the, the glycogen with the other uh, other foods. So we've got our we've got our macro sorted. We know our protein and fats coming from red meat. The carbs are either going to be coming from white rice or fruit. Let's take a Let's take a dive into the micronutrients and one of my favorites and uh, almost like my secret tool is the pure cranberry juice. 
Right, yeah. Um, cranberry juice, uh, I don't know if anyone's had, you know, the um, ocean spray um, cranberry drink, uh, but it's not, they're not one and the same. Um, you're, what you're looking for in cranberry juice is a, uh, a pure product. So uh, we always recommend getting like an organic, um, you know, pure, 100% pure cranberry juice. The, the ingredients should just be cranberries. <laughs> um, if you look at the ingredients, um, no added sugars, no nothing. Um, now it doesn't taste great, um, but if you look at it like almost as preventative me medicine rather than uh, reactive medicine, um, like we go to the doctor for and we get sick, um, but getting um, adequate iodine, uh, having an adequate iodine source is so uh, crucial in the body. There's uh, there's iodine receptors in, in the body um, that actually, things like fluoride, chlorine, bromide, those things can actually get stuck in these iodine receptors um, and can almost toxify the body. So if you don't have an adequate source of iodine, uh, you're going to um, get the, those receptors are going to be filled up with these these kind of talk, little level toxins. So um, that's what he addresses with the cranberry juice. Um, now, I do want to preface for somebody who has not been taking any type of iodine supplementation. Now, good good uh, a good sea salt, uh, Redmond salt, or uh, something with a pink salt that has natural levels of iodine in it. Um, but if you have not been um, having a source of iodine, you can almost create a detoxifying uh, effect by introducing um, a cranberry juice, for example. Um, I have had, um, yeah, this is N of one for myself, but uh, there are other anecdotal, there is other anecdotal stories about people really almost getting flu-like symptoms after adding in uh, this cranberry juice because it starts to kick out these um, chlorine and, and fluoride uh, molecules out of these iodine receptors and they start uh, circulating in the body and you almost have a, you you almost feel sick at the beginning, but it's, it is such a healthy thing to get these cleaned out. And iodine has such a profound effect on, on your thyroid. Um, for those who don't know thyroid, uh, you can you can have every other system in your body working well, but if if your thyroid is not uh, functioning properly, you're going to have a heck of a time uh, losing weight or getting healthy. Um, so that's that's uh, that's a big a big one of his daily foods is addressing iodine. Um, yeah, I actually had some blood work done um, last week, and uh, was quite was quite looking forward to the thyroid results because um, my mother. And and thyroxine for quite a few years, so I was wondering if there was anything sort of hereditary in there. Um, I typically take a shot of cranberry juice, pure cranberry juice. But for anyone listening in the UK, uh, it's not the most easily accessible food source. So Biona is an organic pure cranberry juice uh, that you can find online um, for your reference. But yeah, I take a shot of that with my. And if I if I not remember, but if I if I get back home in time before sort of you know if it's not too late in the day, I'll have a second shot um, purely because it can uh, if you have it 
too late in the day, um, say maybe four or five hours before you go to bed. Anything after that potentially could negatively impact sleep, which you know we know sleep is king, and we don't want to be doing that. So at least one cranberry juice a day, um, and like you say, for, for it's 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 quite a hard uh, nutrient to find. It, it's in seaweed. Uh, it's in this pure cranberry juice that we know. So it's not readily available in most people's diet. So that's why it's, for me, it's just easier to have that shot in the morning and I'm good. Um, I'm going to dive into next the daily raw carrot because I, I love this. Um, the, the old fable of, of you know, the, the wife's tale of, you know, carrots make you see in the dark um, and it allegedly goes back to the World War Two. Um, fighter jet pilots that ate carrots and, and gave them great ability and was able to, you know, take out the Nazis with their, with their superior eyesight. Um, yeah. But we know that vitamin A is good for eye health, and we know the precursor to that is, I'm going to butcher it again, beta. Say that, sorry, say it again. What's the precursor to vitamin A? Beta. Oh, beta, uh, beta, Allen, um, um, begins with a C, doesn't it? I can't think of the word. Yeah, beta carotene. But that's the one. There we go. So, the I don't know how we forgot it was carotene. That's <laughs> carotene. <laughs> um, yeah, get a bit of a clue in the title, right? Um, but, you know, Stan recommends sort of three to four raw, uh, mini carrots. You know, once with breakfast and once with your, you know, your your last meal or your second to last meal of the day, just to give your your body that uh, that vitamin A shot. Um, yeah, I do. I want to just address something too with with uh, vitamin A. Um, vitamin A, beta carotene specifically. A lot of these, a lot of plant vitamins, they can be difficult to um, absorb. Uh, with through the body, it's thing, a lot of things I've been learning about with animal foods uh, being much more bioavailable source. Uh, I've been adding a lot more uh, of um, organ meats into my diet. I don't know if anyone follows me on Instagram, they'll know my um, my love for my increased love for organ meats. Um, but liver, uh, beef liver specifically, being my main one, being such a high source of, of vitamin A. And because it's um, it's from animal foods, it ends up being almost 80% um, absorbed by the body, whereas a um, uh, something that comes from a, a plant, you're almost I think you're getting less than three percent. So I've done a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, research on some of these. Um, the efficacy of, of, of plant vitamins and, and minerals. Um, carrots, it does have a detoxifying effect. It does have an anti-estrogenic um, effect as well. Um, and sometimes that little, little bit of fiber can help people with um, normalizing their stool. Um, so I have heard of in my own clients being shocked just by adding a little bit of carrot in how it does, it can help normalize their, um, their bowel movements. So, um, yeah, there is a little bit of vitamins in, in carrots, but, uh, there is kind of a multi-pronged effect, 
to that that daily raw care, which is interesting. I'm glad you touched on the organ mates because um, it was a, I, I love self experimenting and about three years ago now I, I went sort of forty plus days as a carnivore diet just because um, I'd heard lots of anecdotal stories mainly from the Joe Rogan podcast, Jordan um, Peterson, Sean Baker, uh, you know all, all the guys so highly on this meat based. Um, approach and and honestly I felt amazing um, so good such a clear og jumped out of bed in the morning um, I I almost felt too good if if that's <laughs> believable yeah um, and I remember uh, I've got my kids here is Hagen does. And typically a, a tub of salted caramel Hagen does. Now, I was quite proud that Stan said on one of his rhino rants that if you're going to have a chip meal, then go for something that's fairly healthy, like a Hagen does that's got real products in it, like egg, egg yolk and cream, etc. I know there's sugar in there. And yeah. stuff. Um, I remember finishing or going through these 40 plus days of pure carnivore and having not even a tub, like a third of a tub of Hagen does. And the next day I woke up like I had the mother of all hangovers. Like my head was banging and I was like, shit, that's, that's the toxin. That's the sugar like coming back to, to give me a kick. Um, yeah. The system wasn't used to it. And it was such an eye opener to me yeah. you know, when you're in that, 100 mile an hour, go, go faster, just grab it and go, pick up whatever, eat out of a petrol station. You know, you don't, you don't prepare or consider your food. You get caught in that cycle of just, oh, I'm hungry, grab whatever's near me. Um, it was such an eye-opener, that little experiment. And I've recently um, finished listening to Paul Saladino's book, The Carnivore Code. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and again, I'm a firm believer that we should eat nose to tail. Um, and a lot of people these days, you know, you use the word offal or organ meats, liver, heart, you know, they screw up their face like you're a crazy person. Um, but, you know, we know that superior nutrient um, content in those. And, you know, there was a reason why liver and bacon um, was such a popular meal, you know, not, not too long ago, a couple of generations back. Um, which kind of leads me on to the next micronutrient that I've, I've got a fond love for, which is bone broth. Mm, yes. There's a brand over here in England that um, they actually market it as beef tea. <laughs> That's it, perfect. Yeah. Isn't that actually? It's, uh, it's hormone and um, grain-free, grass-fed, raised cows, you know, slow-braised, 48-hour bones. It's infused with... Um, a couple of uh, vegetables and some, you know, they recommend that you, you you warm it in a saucepan to 86 degrees, very precise instruction, and you season it with some pink Himalayan sea salt. And it is, um, it is beautiful. And, and it, it, it sort of leads me on to one of the reasons why it's recommended and the importance of gut health. Mm. Um you know, the, the theory, and, and probably more than theory, you know, there's some science to suggest that the second brain 
Um, at first, I might have be, believed that it was in the heart because of the electric senses and neurons that go through the heart. But now scientists believe, you know, if there is a second brain anywhere in the body, it's it's in our gut, um, you know, which I suppose goes some way to de describing the quote, trust your gut. Um, but yeah, let's dive into to the bone broth world and, and the gut health world. Yeah, I love it. Um... And I mean, just uh, before we pass pass on uh, past the, the the organs as well. I mean, bone broth does. I feel like that falls into almost the category with with eating nose to tail. Um, so we haven't completely gone past it, but uh, we are truly. I feel like in in the West anyway too. Um, we are one of the only societies in the world that does not prize organ meat. Um, we the fact that that the majority of people will screw up their nose at the thought of organs is just shows how um you know how spoiled we are as a, as a society uh, i i don't want to sound like i'm condemning anyone but really we are spoiled that we can just you know slaughter an animal and just toss everything away you know like in some of these indigenous tribes they prize the organ the 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 leader of the hunt or the the chief of the of the tribe, um, they are given the liver. You know, they are the the um, even in the animal world, um, in, say a wolf pack for example, the lead wolf, the the head wolf will get the or everyone leaves the the the, the liver for it's almost like it's um, sacred. Uh, so I I do. I think that there's, and I don't know if you know anything about Chinese medicine either, but um, the way that they uh, they have they have the kind of these herbal tinctures, of course, um, but they recommend a lot of animal meats, specifically organs. If you have uh, a, a an ailment with, say, your liver or a kidney, they uh, recommend eating an animal liver. Or kidney for those specific things. They have um, uh, certain certain nutrients and um, uh, certain peptides that are that are available in those foods that you can't get from a supplement um, that aren't in muscle meat. Um, vitamin A, even for example, uh, it's very difficult to get a, a good level of vitamin A in muscle meat. So if you're one of these carnivores that only eats muscle meat, you know, I think, I think there are carnivores that, that can, that are doing okay without adding organ meat. Um, but I think to be truly, uh, almost vertical or, uh, getting those, those, um, micronutrients, you have to account for these organs. Now, uh, on the bone broth side of things, um, that's something that, that, uh, ancestrally, what we would have been doing, we would have been taking these, these, the bones from now, we would not, they would not waste one ounce of this animal. Everything would get used. Um, you know, the, the high would get used for clothes. Uh, you, you prioritize the organ meats. Uh, you, you eat the muscle meat. Um, you take the bones, you'd boil them. You'd take whatever was left over. You would drink the water, you use the bones for, you know, grinding up and you, you eat that. Um, you know, me, myself, uh, I don't eat any dairy. It just doesn't sit well with me. Um, so when I make bone broth, um, when I, when I simmer beef bones for 48 hours, they're quite soft. 
Uh, and so I just, uh, I'll actually, you can actually eat the bones after uh, boiling them for 48 hours. Um, and in actual bone broth, there's not a whole lot of calcium when you when you break down what what is in bone broth. Um, there's not a whole lot of calcium that comes out of the bone. It's still quite available in the bone. So when you eat that bone, you then you are getting uh, a rich source of calcium that um, you can store as a fat soluble vitamin um, that you utilize um, uh, when you're burning fat stores. So I think that's such a crucial thing to recognize where uh, where is this where is this ancestral view of of health coming from it's kind of something that i've been diving deep into is this ancestral health side of things and uh, and and just living in a way um that's uh um pre post-industrial kind of this kind of uh farming being number one eating all these grains how did we live for thousands of years before um, this all came about? How did how did we thrive as human beings? Um, it, it wasn't, you know, getting six to eleven servings of grain a day. Um, it was prioritizing these animal meats. And um, if you say if you are a high um, if you are high in animal meat, like uh, I always prescribed to people, um, you want to be balancing that methionine uh, production in the body because uh, you have a high, you'll have a high methionine uh, levels in the body. Um, and if it's not balanced with glycine, glycine is kind of its uh, co-productor, co um, bone broth being rich in glycine, um, you're going to throw that, those homocysteine levels off and you're going to want to make sure you're taking those that that getting that those that glycine level up um and bone broth being such a rich source of that coming from the bones and and fat uh tendons all those things coming off the bone uh is so in my mind is in my opinion is so crucial um to balancing uh the body because essentially balancing the body is what is 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 health so if you're out of balance in any one way um, for an extended period of time, uh, your body's going to end up rejecting that. And you can you can do okay with that for a, a period of time. Say you're a vegan and you're cutting out processed food, you're sticking to whole foods, but you're you're just purely vegan. You're 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 out of balance in in my mind. You're you're you can you'll get benefits. You have these. Oh, I feel great. I have more energy than ever. Uh, but long to down the ride there's no long-term vegans out there there really isn't it's it's kind of a, a new thing i'm not trying to harp on vegans here that's just an example but um it just goes back to to, to um that nose to tail approach that's not even really that touted in in the vertical diet uh so to speak but something that i've come across that um it, it really as a thought experiment it, it makes complete sense uh to be using the whole animal no, I, I totally agree with you. And there's, um, I'm not too sure if you guys have got it over there, but there's quite a famous soup in the UK, um, oxtail soup. And, yeah. and when I drink bone broth over here, um, you know, I'm English, so I love a cup of tea, right? As, you know, it's English as fish and chips and Mary Poppins. Um, but, <laughs> but for me, you know, if you, I, I try to cut out caffeine Monday to Friday, and I, and I use caffeine. I'm settling the Sunday for a performance, for a training purpose. 
Um, but I do love a hot drink, and that bone broth on a cold morning just feels like a hug for yourself. It, it's beautiful. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I can definitely – and, again, it's quite tough to get over here. It's not as, it's not as readily available as, as you think it is. You do have to go and hunt um, for, for a good, decent bone broth, which is a shame, but I think more and more now with this ancestral health push, uh, eating those – our push, um, you know, the awakening or the remembering as, yes. as, as uh, it's being quoted now, um, it's definitely getting a lot more traction and, and for the right reasons, you know. Um, and like you say, what, what was the sacred part of, of the animal? And, and I think that's where, uh, you know, the hunters have got a totally different perspective of, of what it's like to stalk a prey uh, and, and, you know, be out on two, three, four days, whatever it might be, uh, you know, and, and take that animal's life, but take it knowing that that's going to provide their family uh, and, you know, that's going to be for two, three months, maybe more. Um, and, you know, that connection with that animal, uh, yes, you took its life, but yes, you know, this is the food chain. Yes, that animal's going to die at some point anyway. And potentially, you know, it could be a horrible death from either being hit by a vehicle or, you know, um, killed by another animal. Um, so, you, you know, there's a very popular Instagram which I'm sure Sorry, what was it called? Nature. Okay. And it basically just highlights the animal kingdom. It's not this fluffy detail of you know, um, bears and Bambi and, and, you know, every animal is it, It's real life, animals eating animals, you know, life kills life. And, you know, that's how, that's how nature moves on. Um, yes. And, and yeah, I, I've, I'll share this quick story with you before we move on. But uh, I called up my friend who's a deer hunter and I've had some, some superb venison around his house on the barbecue. And I said to him, Dave, I've had this epiphany. It's like, tell me. I've, I can just picture us crouched over a fresh kill around the fire and I'm ripping out the liver and I'm eating it raw. He's yeah. like, he went, this can do it, man. This this it up. So he's, he's, he's currently building a deer hide. Um, so I can't wait for the day to come to try some. It sounds a bit crazy, almost like I'm my inner carnivore, but I can't wait to uh, be in a position to be able to experience that firsthand. And, and oh, for sure. And, yeah, that's something that um, that I I'd love to get into, and it, it does take um, it does take some commitment to um, to you know get the equipment, you know, guns. You gotta have the time to go up, you know, hunt. You might not even catch anything. Um, it is. Uh, you know that love of the sport, um, but it, it's it's that connection to your food that I really I I want to be a part of that. And um, I've I've partnered up with um, a butcher shop called Pasture to Plate in Vancouver, and I I post about on my Instagram um, at Facebook. Um, they have their own ranch up uh, in northern BC. And so it's a closed chain uh, loop where uh, they get all their, they grow all their animals 
at their ranch and then goes directly to the shop where they have a butcher shop in their their front um and and it's all you know exactly where it came from um and i'm i'm going to be going up there in the summertime to visit the ranch and uh stay there for for a few days and and that's part of knowing where your your food uh supply is coming from um rather than mindlessly going to the grocery store grabbing a bunch of meat throw it in your cart um having that connection to to where it's from how it's grown how it's sorted, how it's killed uh that that i think is is um honestly i think that's part of how we that's part of the remembering you know it's part of uh where how it would have been like yeah that journey of that animal um from from its life uh being grateful and thankful for it um utilizing every part of the animal realizing that that is going to sustain my family like i buy a half of a half a cow at a time and put it in my deep freeze um you know i get the bones with it i get the organs with it um that i feel like having that respect it contributes to your overall health i it, i i truly believe that um knowing what it's eating because uh, in, in kind of these industrial race, certain parts of the world are worse than others. Um, uh, but some of the things that go into these animals' diets in a grain-fed operation, yeah, they're going to be on grass for a, a good portion of their life. Um, whether or not that grass has been laden with pesticides, um, you know, that animal's ingesting those, those impurities, and then you're ingesting them. Um, having these animals get fattened up uh, with grains, uh, that just produces disease and sickness. Um, these farmers need to make money, so they, uh, you know, pump these animals with, uh, with hormones to keep them healthy, um, to get them to slaughter. Well, then now you're ingesting these hormones. Um, it's not always about what the animal is eating because a grass-fed and, and grade-fed animal, uh, the nutrition profile isn't a whole lot different um but but it's what it's not going into that animal that you're ensuring um and some of the with with a grass-fed animal it's actually pulling carbon and putting it back into the soil growing the soil and that's somewhere i've kind of gone towards um you know researching about uh, regenerative agriculture is why i've asked to partner up with pasture to plate because yeah, by by getting in with these company and so getting a me uh, knowing your local rancher a local farmer that sells their 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 uh, cows are on that land knowing where they come from you're essentially um, contributing to healing that that earth and instead of a like a mono cropping uh, big agriculture uh, production you know uh, millions of acres of of these grains that are just basically just taxing the soil, pulling all the nutrients out of the soil. Um, it, there's just nothing left there. And our, our food system, it, it's, it's so nutrient uh, deplete now. Um, by getting these ruminants, these animals on the land, you're putting carbon back in the soil. They're fertilizing the land. And the proper regenerative agriculture is, is cycling these animals around. Like if you think about, um, you know, 
hundreds of years ago is with the, the Indian on the plane. They had these the buffalo that thousands and, and thousands of buffalo on the land, pooing on the land, trampling it down, all this grass. They had all this grassland that's now desert because they, the buffalo were all killed off. Um, you know, we came in as, as the white man and, and just decimated these animals for their highs. And, and, and so regenerative agriculture, getting these ruminants back on the land mimics how nature it, it was, how the, the, um, kind of that baseline where it should be. And so it's, it's, um, by supporting a grass fed, um, uh, farmer or, uh, you know, a ranch like this, like pasture to plate, you're, you're you're supporting healing, not just healing yourself, you know, an animal that's been grass fed and, and, and uh, grass finished, so to speak. And you might have to look into the differences of that. Um, but grass fed, grass finished, that animal is eating what they're supposed to eat. And it's a species appropriate diet. And with, with beef, you know, as humans, we're supposed to be eating a species appropriate diet. And that is an animal that's been eating species appropriate it's a it's a cycle um, and it's a food chain we evolved right we're, we're the sixth species homo sapien we're the sixth species of, of a human being and the reason why we evolved and was able to use our brain to invent tools you know the wheel an axe whatever it might be was that we ate nose to tail and those extra nutrients give us the grain brain capacity to come down from the trees and to and to you know to, to move on and to make our advances the way that we did with evolution and I've got um, we haven't set a date yet but there's a local farmer um, Thomas Joseph Butchery around these parts that um, you know has an ethical sustainable uh, grass-fed farm where you can go and meet the animals and, you know, he names them. And you can see in his eyes when he talks about them that, you know, these are not just his profit or his stakes in his, in his farm shop. These are his animals. And he personally takes them to the abattoir and he goes with them to make sure that they're well looked after. Uh, you know, and some people will scoff, oh, what well looked after until he leads them into his death. But you know, this, this is his business, and I want to, you know, the opportunity to sit down with him. He was a high-flying, um, you know, city city worker that has just done a total 180 and come out of a big smoke in London and set up this, um, you know, totally ethical, uh, substantial, grass-fed animal uh, farm to... It's not only feed him and his family, but obviously like a, a community of people that are that you know. Yes, it is more expensive, but I, I've gone from churning through quantity to now realizing, understanding the younger I've got, that the better quality I can get is not only good on my plate for my family and for me, but is also good for the environmental impact as well. Which you know, I. There's a quote on, um, and I'm, again, I'm probably going to murder this because I'm terrible for doing this. But on, on the um, on the Paul Saladino website about his supplements, that you know, it's it's not our earth, it's not our soil. We just purely borrow it until we're gone, which which I'm a fond believer of. You know, it's not about 
I'm trying to think about my great, great, great grandchildren when I'm not around, you know, how are we going to leave their earth? What condition are we going to leave it in? And, um, yeah, like you, you can't change 7 billion people's mindset, but, you, you know, the 1% of stuff that you can do, um, you know, whether that's recycling or eating from, a, you know, a, a farm that cares and, and there's, it cares about the environment. There's, you know, you, everyone needs to do their bit to make sure that there is uh, a harmonious natural world in, in hundreds of years' time to come, you know? I 100% agree with you there, and, and I think that with, um, you know, if getting started with this diet, okay, say you've gone from not eating red meat, say you're a, a lean protein guy, and, and you're going towards red meat, and you you just don't have the funds, say, say it's just too expensive to be, can't get grass-fed, um, you know, you want to make it, you want to be able to get people interested and start this diet no matter what they have to do. Um, let them start out with getting supermarket meat. That's great. I don't think that should be your end goal. I think that, um, you know, maybe buying a freezer uh, and, and getting buying in bulk, honestly, you can get comparable prices um, for a, a half side or a, a quarter side of cow um, and put it in your freezer for just buying uh, piecemeal out of the grocery store when you, whenever you need it. And, you know, that quality, um, you know, you're voting with your dollars. You're saying, hey, this is important. I think this needs to be addressed. Um, and, you know, not supporting just industrial raised meat. I think that should be um, – I want to encourage people to, to that, that to be their end goal. But if you just need to get going or get started, the benefits – and the nutritional um, density and, and benefits that you will, you'll receive from getting into an animal-based diet and getting into using animals uh, as a, your main source of uh, nutrition, I think that's, that has so many benefits. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. Cool. Let's flip it on its head now. Yep. And I'm going to mention three words. Ten-minute walks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've used the word game changer a couple of times, but, uh, you know, this, this one is a game changer. And, and uh, you know, I always, my, my mantra going through fitness was always um, kind of more is better. And, uh, and I need to have this specific time of the day where I do my, all my cardio um, you know, training for, for bodybuilding show, okay, I need to do my, you know, hour cardio or, or whatever, like steady state. Um, but Stan, you know, again, he's, you know, the, he's the goat, he's the greatest of all time. He, he's, uh, you know, come up with how kind of hack the human body, um, in a way of, of giving these kind of short doses of, of, um, of kind of medium intensity, uh, after you eat. So um, he, he prescribes for people, and this is what I get people to do uh, right off the hop, um, is to just kind of get rid of any kind of steady state long long bouts of cardio that you're doing right now and, and separate it um, three times, pick three meals a day, three or four, two to four, anywhere in there, whatever you can make happen, and do just a, a brisk, Kind of uh, you know pumping your arms and a brisk walk 
um, after you eat within, you know, 30 minutes of, of eating. And it has such profound effects uh, on, on uh, blood sugar levels, your insulin sensitivity levels, essentially where, how your body utilizes um, the nutrition that you've just intake as, uh, as part of your meal and, and um, shuttles it around much more efficiently uh, with this short walk. So a lot of people want to lay down after they eat, but that's probably the worst thing you can do. You want to just give a short, a short little burst of, of, of 10 minutes uh, minimum and uh, you'll notice how much better your energy levels are, how much, uh, you know, some people prepping for a show, I've had them, you know, get rid of their standard cardio and just be using these 10 minute walks and they're maintaining their muscle mass. They're not losing, um, you know, a lot of people when they're in a deficit, when they're doing too much cardio, you end up, you know, cutting into lean muscle tissue and, and lean, lean body mass. Um, and with these walks, it almost like preserves, preserves that lean muscle by being kind of short, short duration and, and post meal. So utilizing that, uh, those nutrient, that nutrition that you've just taken in. What I love about it, Matt, is, is just that how accessible it can be. So, you know, everyone, well, the majority of people in the world have got a front door and you can go out you can set an alarm for five minutes. You can walk one direction. That alarm goes off. You walk back and you're at home. You know, if it's, if it's bad weather, just get on with it. Suck it up, buttercup. It is what it is. But the, the beauty of getting outside as well, the added element of getting that vitamin D3, you know, that, that hit of sunlight during the day, um, you know, there, there's just so, much, so many benefits that go with that. Um, the movement after food and we've all been there we've all you know over it and laid on the sofa with that large belly and snored you know like a lion does after a big kill um and for me you, you know there's there was lots of it's, it's it's probably calmed down a bit now but there was lots of especially with the smartwatch, 10,000 steps 10,000 steps um you know it's there's a there's some science behind three times 10 minute walks to suggest that even three 10 minute walks has a, has a positive impact on your health and well-being than one 30 minute walk or 10,000 steps across the day. Now, obviously you can still get your 10,000 steps with your three or four 10 minute walks after, after your main meals. Um, but it's just that, it's just that movement stretched out over the day. Again, I believe linked into the ancestral um, evolution of us, you know, where we were hunter-gatherers and, you know, we'd think nothing of going on a 50k hike, sort of stroke, run, hunt to get our food, you know, that movement, we are, we are upright animals, you know, we are designed to, to, you know, walk, run with our legs. So, um, I'm massive, massive, um, pusher, preacher of, of that three 10 minute walks to anyone you know whether that whether they're fully in their fitness journey or you know like my mum my mum said I want you to start programming me workouts before we do anything the first thing you're going to do without fail is after your breakfast lunch and dinner you're going to go for a brisk 10 minute walk and that's that's the, that's your prescription for a month you hit that 
then we can start looking at some other things to do. 100%, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting uh, implementing these things and, and getting these feed, this feedback from people about how good they feel after, how now when once they eat and if they don't walk, something doesn't feel right, you know, and it, it's it just, um, you know, like you said with the ancestral health, side of things we are we are created for movement we're created to to go long periods um without rest and and i think um getting back into just the movement aspect of things it's almost meditative as well uh when you're when you're in a constant motion uh, and not spending long periods of time stagnant um it it has a quite a um a benefit neurologically um you know movement almost grows um, your brain in a sense that neuroplasticity that happens uh, when you're getting this exercise in not just the hour and a half workout in the morning and then sit around um, but you know that daily walk uh, say first thing in the morning or you know maybe standing while you're at your desk or just figuring out ways to move more um, the 10 minute walks post meals it all kind of filters back to how are we it's like a, almost a human performance equation. What what is in this equation? Obviously, food being the big the big part of it. But um, what are these other aspects that we can put into our lives um, that can really help sustain our health long term? And and sustainable really is key, right? You you like ten minutes off. No one can say they don't have time, right? You 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 got ten minutes instead of sitting on your phone for. 10, 15 minutes, just looking at whatever garbage, uh, you know, get, get that walk in and, and really and look around and breathe in the air and, and feel that gratitude to even just have two legs and walking down the street. I think that all plays such a big part in um, our overall health as human beings. Um, you know, diet is such a huge part of that, but it's creating this sustainability, this lifestyle that, you know, you can see yourself doing down the road. Um, if you, you can eat chicken, rice, and broccoli every day, but it may not be sustainable. You may get results, but it's not going to be sustainable long-term. You're not going to support your hormones. You're not going to, right? And so it's figuring out these things that, yeah, I can do this every single day. So, yeah, thanks for touching that. That, that was one of my, my biggest positives and takeaway from, from the diet was, you know, I come from that bodybuilding uh, template, like you said, chicken, rice, broccoli, egg whites. Um, and, you know, I, st I can still smell the farts. Um, <laughs> like, my, like, I remember working and I, I had my own office, but people outside was like, what the hell has died inside you? Like, that is, that, you need to go and see someone. Like, people, that's really bad. And, and it yeah. was constant. It was all day. But because I was in this, oh, I'm getting big, I'm getting strong, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do, that's just that's just a sideline. I'll have to take that. Um, and it wasn't until I changed to the vertical approach and started taking more care of my gut health and eating um, what I believe, you know, your you, your body is um, is is designed to eat, and 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 taking that care with with, with the walks and a bit. I just wanted to add in before I forget about it. I know I jump from tangent to tangent, but the the free ten minute walks, the the evening one post dinner, 
is always a non-tech walk for me. So that's totally unplugged. I love to do that with the other two walks, but with with my work, um, it, my work phone has to pretty much be on me the majority of the day. Um, but that unplugged walk is almost like part of my nighttime bed pre-bedtime routine now, where it's that calming effect of there is no distraction. You know, you, you can the, the air smells different. You know, you can your eyesight almost seems to dial in a little bit more to what's going on around you when you don't have that tech distraction. Even in your pocket, it's vibrating, even if you're not looking at it. Um, so yeah, that's that's a massive takeaway from me, and again leads in leads leads us back to the the sleep is king mantra. Um, I'm conscious of time, Matt, um, and we I think you know we've we've got a shared shared love and passion for um, you know health and nutrition, and we could talk for hours for sure. Um, is there anything in particular? want to touch on that you don't think that we have in regards to the diet i mean the daily potato for me um is, is a standout because of the hit of potassium um and, and you know back in that paleo sort of crossfit emergence the white potato was almost villainized you know and it was sweet potato only oh don't touch a white potato because that could yeah. be a skip that could be a french fry you know it was it was sort of um it, it was the bad boy of, yeah. of the I know Stan and, and the diet are very good, uh, you know, promote that daily potato. Um, low FODMAP, which we've touched on, um, you know, you do not need to, need to be eating basket loads of vegetables every day. Um, you know, as long as you're covering your micronutrients, so whether that be a helping of spinach in, a, in an omelette, in the morning or with um, you know your monster mash with some beef and rice and some peppers at a later date um, yeah. he's, he's a firm believer in in vitamin C which I know is up for debate with with the carnivores um, mm. but I believe you know when you're stressing your body you know stress and stimuli of just everyday life you know working parenting um, training uh for me that daily orange again is so something is so simple as that has been a game changer um i much prefer the fruit than i do the juice if i'm being honest that's just me preference wise uh, i don't know if you've got any thoughts or sort of input on that yeah yeah definitely i mean um there's a there's a uh, appetite stimulating effect that the, the juice has so I typically don't recommend the juice to people who are trying to either maintain or lose weight um, just because it will stimulate your appetite. Um, whereas the fiber and things that comes with the fruit, it'll keep you more satiated. Um, uh, someone like a, a strong man who's trying to increase calories, trying to increase the amount of food that they're taking in, the juice is great for that. Uh, so that's, those, that's the main difference when when you're formulating your plan is is um, you know the benefit from that fruit or juice is kind of the same but it can play a different role in however you're trying to to which direction you're trying to go and, uh, I'm hooked on the yogurt I know you said you don't you don't touch dairy but but for me um, 
And again, I struggle to pronounce it. Fahar, I think is how you say it correctly. But to me, it's fake because that's how it's easy to say. Um, but the, the Greek yogurt is, is literally like I'm drooling. It's my pre, pre-bed meal. Okay. Um, like a, a, maybe an hour, hour and a half before bed. Um, if I don't have it, I definitely don't sleep as well. I sleep like a bear with it. Uh, I dream as well. Um, so, or I remember my dream, should I say? Yeah. Um, so you know whether whether the Greek yogurt increases your trip to town or gets me into those uh, deeper stages of REM either quicker or, or for longer. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm hooked and, and it's my dessert. You know, yeah. I, when I first started it, <laughs> I was thinking, surely how can anyone eat this? And now, like, I literally crave it. Um, yeah, your palate can change pretty quick, and, and I just I, I want to encourage two people too who are who are kind of into this uh, you know sugar addiction, and and there's there all there is a lot of um, kind of eating dis, like disordered eating um, that can be addressed as well uh, just by um, by addressing these micronutrients and getting the minerals and and vitamins that you need, it it satisfies in a way that um, you realize you don't need this other stuff. And when you're deficient in something, say you're craving, oh, I'm craving salt, I'm craving potato chips or I'm craving fry, you know, potato fries. It, it can just be your, you just need salt, you know, have a, you know, salt and water and you, that craving might go away. So by addressing all these other things, it can really help um, with these other almost disordered eating issues that you have. Like animal foods are so satiating. Uh, you know, you can feel like you had Thanksgiving dinner every meal if you want by by, by eating these high satiating, high like, you know, good fats. Um, you know, when people are trying to to restrict fats, you know, I just shake my head because those are so crucial to our brain health, and and um, you know they've been vilified over the years, and people are adding these heart healthy oils um to try to address you know cholesterol and, and it's just so backwards and by getting these saturated fats you're you're doing your brain and your your body a service so um you know i i, I just want to make sure that i address that too before we're getting off is um you know these saturated fats is such a it's such a um it's been a monumental um um how do i put it to it was kind of a, it's a landmark thing about how our health has started to decline over the years, over the last six to a hundred years, all these chronic diseases. And, and it, it's by getting away from how we used to eat um, and implementing these kind of almost like poisonous uh, seed oils and, and vegetable oils as somehow being better for you, it, it just wrecks us um, metabolically. And they're, they're this pro-inflammatory uh, omega-6 that, um, you know, gets incorporated into our, our, our lipid uh, cell membranes. And it just it essentially leads to insulin resistance, no matter if you're in a, a caloric deficit or not. It, it just wrecks us um, in anything that we're trying to accomplish. So, uh, you know, we we put the, the salmon in the omega-3s for, uh, you know, the omega-3 
is such a, it is an important part you want to have. But what's more important is the omega-6, omega-3 ratio, um, getting an, um, a, uh, you know, evolutionarily inconsistent amount of omega-6 with these oils and, um, uh, you know, kind of the proper ratio being maybe two to one, three to one uh, ratio between omega-6, omega-3, you know, people are chasing after these omega-3s. I need more, you know, I want to do an all-fish diet and I want to take all these supplements to, to boost my omega-3. Well, really, it's by eliminating these omega-6s, you're really bent, you're really, that's kind of the, the, the end goal that you're trying to get to is that better ratio between the two. By cutting out the omega-6s, you're you're going to do yourself a favor but uh, for your omega-3 intake. So if I want to stress anything, if anybody takes anything away from this podcast is, you know, getting rid of those, those omega-6 oils, uh, decreasing your amounts of these really evolutionally inconsistent levels of, of omega-6, that is a huge takeaway I think for people and really just they're so pervasive they're they're in everything you look at any processed um, uh, processed food these days even loaves of bread even things that you may think that oh that that will never have you know canola oil or anything like that you look at the check out the ingredients of anything with an ingredients list and nine times out of ten it's got oils in it and you have to be so vigilant um, and I think that's what's wrecking us metabolically as human beings. I truly believe that is the that is the base. And I mean, Paul Saladin talks uh, quite a bit about about seed oils um, with his uh, information. But um, you know, it, it sugar by itself is is not wrecking us. You know, obviously sugar is is a problem, um, but it's creating there's there's just no capacity for the sugar in our bodies when we have these high levels of omega-6s in our body. Um, so, so by getting rid of those things um, and, uh, and, and just being just hyper vigilant, uh, every potato chip bag that you pick up is going to have seed oils in it. So it just depends on, on how important it is for you. If you, if you value your health, you're, you're, you need to address your food. You can't out exercise a bad, bad diet. And these, these foods, um, that, that have, that have kind of invaded our, our food system in the last, um, you know, 40, 50 years, uh, they're killing people. Uh, and I think that that food hundred percent is, it can be used as medicine. It, it, it truly can. So, um, be, be, be a stickler. Just look at, look at what you're buying. Look at the ingredients. I say, if it's got more than five ingredients in the ingredients list, just toss it back. <laughs> That's just kind of a, uh, you know, a, a baseline. Limit test. The limit test. Yeah. That's, that's something I'm actually grateful for from the, like the paleo challenges that I, I first done when I was getting into the, into the CrossFit scene was, reading the food labels and being amazed surely like sugar could not be in a salad and you know it was up there in the ingredients list and um, Matt I'm not going to lie to you I am secretly loving the national lockdown at the moment in the UK because it means I have to cook all my food at home 
Uh, and I love that. It's like I'm a little bit of a control freak, a bit OCD with it. But, you know, if I'm going to cook in anything, it's going to be Kerrygold. It's going to be grass-fed butter. Um, I can grill on a barbecue, whether it's pissing down with rain or not. I can, I can still turn my grill on. Um, you know, it's just... I, I almost got fearsome a while back of eating out, which I don't think is too healthy for the mind. Um, but I just love, I just love the control of, of having control of what is being cooked in and what I'm putting into, into my body. Um, and I think really on that sort of note, um, and, and I've been desperate to get these two sayings in and I'm going to, but compliance is the science and, um, you know, shakes are for fakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and yeah, choosing that whole food. I think anybody who is looking um, to just, you know, implement these a couple things into your life, uh, you know, choosing whole foods over processed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and maybe just cutting out grains, cutting out dairy, um, if that is a problem for you, uh, can have, just have loads of benefits um, that you'll feel immediately. And, and, you know, I don't want people to think that this is some complicated complicated thing that uh, true health really lies in just a few factors um that anyone can can do so um yeah i know i'm i'm i love that you're uh you've you've got this platform that you can kind of spread that that word to people because it truly it's it's not it's not difficult it's not complicated it's just is it your priority and i almost uh, people who are sick, it's almost um, when they heal themselves and they take their health into their own hands and, and not rely on Western medicine. Uh, I mean, Western medicine is fantastic. They are very, very advanced with, um, you know, acute injuries, acute things that, that need to be dealt with immediately. They're not very good with chronic uh, chronic disease, chronic problems. And, and this is, um, I encourage everyone to not just take for face value. Uh, you know, if you're having long, these long-term or autoimmune diseases, they can be fixed. They can be reversed with diet. And don't believe th this mantra of you need big pharma to, to, to heal you because oftentimes they end up doing the, the exact opposite. They end up um, um, wrecking, wrecking you. Um, and you just ask anybody who's had to deal with medications, they end up going one or, one or the other, and then it's not, um, you know, efficacious and then they have to go on more. And, and it's, uh, it's a terrible, just, um, awful cycle that, that people get caught up into. So, um, you know, I think people don't realize the power they have to change and, and that's what this is all about is, is figuring out for yourself what works. You know, dairy doesn't work for me, but dairy works for you, you know, and, and I feel good when I, when I don't have it, but you feel good when you have it. So, you know, I can't make these blanket statement statements. You have to do a little bit of digging if this is something that you're serious about. Um, but I really encourage people to make a choice regardless of whether it's a vertical diet or any type of food choice, making the choice to do something is, is, 
the huge benefit and uh, would encourage many people to do. It's just, um, you know, you don't realize how bad you feel until you start feeling good. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, if you're, if um, you've got a, a certain, you know, uh, homeostasis and, and you change your diet, all of a sudden you start feeling amazing. You go back to how you were before, you know, all of a sudden you realize this isn't working. I have to, you know, when you start feeling good, it's addicting. So. No, I hundred percent agree with that. hundred yeah. percent agree with that. Matt, we always ask our guests some chasing discomfort, um, questions. It's a quick fire round. Um, and I'd like to, there's don't worry about giving me a textbook answer. It's just whatever you feel is the right answer. And it's a quick fire. So it won't take too long. What is, the one, <laughs> what is the one non-negotiable rule that you live by? Uh, one non-negotiable rule that I live by. Um, I just live by faith. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite quote? Uh, shakes are for fakes, eat steak. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick one. How about your dream car? Dream car. I guess Tesla probably. I like the electrics. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, two dinner guests, either dead or alive, that you could invite, who would it be? Two dinner guests. Wow. Um, Anyone, past or present? Okay, I got to go with C.S. Lewis. Uh, okay. He's a past. And uh, you know what? Stan Efferding. <laughs> yeah, I think we have, we'd have a good conversation, the three of yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ring walk song. Say it again. What would be your ring walk song? So you're gloved up, hooded up, going into the fighting cage or boxing ring. What would your song be to either pump you up or calm you down? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, oh, I'm blanking on that one. Uh, you know what? I am a I'm a fan of the Beatles, so yeah. uh, I, that's from your that's your side of the your side of the world. So pick something from. Them. <laughs> um, it's a little bit before my generation. I'm not going to lie, but um, yeah, let's move on. What's the book you've read more than once, and why? Book I've read more than once. Well. Um, you know, I have been getting really into reading the last year. I, well, I was telling you, I was getting, um, had this back injury, so I was reading a lot, but I, the one I've read multiple times was the oxygen advantage. And, uh, mainly cause there's, there's so many takeaways from that. Um, and I've implemented a lot of their, his training things and referred back to it. So I've probably paged that one the most. Yeah. Uh, I have a reread list because I, the books that sort of hit me the most, I want to go back and then sort of take established notes from. You know, I take mental notes and take different tasks and trials and experiments away from me, but it's definitely on my reread list for sure. 
Um, what do you do when you start feeling down or if you feel like you're struggling? Um, I mean, I think getting back to basics. I mean, my family is such a big, big uh, aspect of my my life, and and uh, you know, if I there is something really bothering me, typically, I mean, I talk to my wife about it. But in terms of of um, of I feel like my mental health goes hand in hand a lot of times with my exercise. <laughs> so if I'm not feeling great, if I go for a walk, typically I can, it, it just gives me that um, little boost of adrenaline and, and a little bit of boost of, of, uh, you know, dopamine uh, hit. I try, you know, dopamine is, it can be so pervasive uh, and I even almost take dopamine uh, hiatuses or or uh, fast just just to um, you know get back to baseline the receptors in the brain and and uh, but walking or exercise you know lift something heavy go for a sprint um, it's amazing what you know ten minutes of of uh, movement like that can do uh, for your your brain and your your body absolutely hundred thousand percent agree on that one. Yeah. Uh, what's your number one life hack? My number one life hack. Well, sleep. I think I, we. I know we we hit hit on it hard, but um, you know, I I used to do uh, these bodybuilding preps, and and uh, I I was doing you know the four thirty wake up and eat breakfast and hit the gym. And, you know, I couldn't figure out why I was feeling off. And, and then, you know, I finished my competition and, and I got back to a normal schedule and it was purely the sleep. I felt like a million bucks. It was, uh, I think if, if anyone um, can just prioritize that, uh, that and I think sunshine, I think sun yeah. has such a huge impact on us. Um, you know, it's tough where you and you and I live you know, I'm looking out the window and it's cloudy. <laughs> There's no sun out there, but um, just that external light when the sun comes out, I try to be in it all day long if I can, and and it's it truly is life giving. So, yeah, I always notice around sort of January time, my mood tends to dip, and it, I, I I for sure believe it's related to uh, sunlight and sun levels. Yeah. You know, in in the summer, I'm solar charged. I could wake up, if I wake up early, sometimes randomly wake up at half four, five o'clock, I wouldn't think nothing of going out for like an hour trial run out yeah. in, in the forest amongst nature. Um, yeah. But, you know, to do that at the winter, in the dark, it's freezing cold. And well, it's it's painful. I mean, I, I track, um, I'm kind of an avid, uh, you know, self-quantifier. I've got an aura ring. I don't know if you know what the aura ring is. Yeah. I'm I'm a whoop brother. I'm oh, you're a whoop. Yeah, okay, perfect. Well, I mean, HRV is one of those things that, that it measures kind of your stress levels uh, using your heart rhythms. I know you know about that. Um, but it, it's shocking. My HRV goes in the tank in the wintertime. It's, it's unreal. Uh, the difference, you know, almost 50 points uh, lower it, it, when it's bad weather out. You just, you just don't have that... Um, you know, there, I feel like there is a healing property to being in the outdoors, and uh, 
you know, grounding and, and um, that sunshine, it just something that, that does it for you. Sorry, that's a long-winded uh, <laughs> Spitfire. No, nah, it's, 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 a, it's a good point. You know, an, un, an unplugged walk in nature in sunlight is, pro is possibly one of the best things to do to alleviate sort of stress levels. So it's a, it's a great answer. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite film? Oh, favorite film. Uh, you know, Lord of the Rings probably was is up there. Uh, you know, Gladiator. There's some of these, these uh, they're a little older now, but um, just epic. Oh, you're not entertained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to. Yeah, anytime I'm, um, I try to channel that kind of uh, <laughs> that mentality when I hit the gym, right? Yeah. yeah. Just. Um, what's your spirit animal? I mean, it's got to be a grass-fed cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your mantra when the going gets tough? Do you have Do you have a certain saying that you say to yourself or that you write down? You know, my um, uh, my my I can I can uh, I can quote my dad on this one. Um, his saying was always, how is this the best thing that's ever happened to me? And so that's, that's something that I, you know, living by faith, understanding that um, there is a plan for our lives and whether or not we know it in that moment, um, it, 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 we may have an idea for ourselves, but um, if you can mentally decide how is this the best thing that's ever happened to me, you can get through anything. I truly believe that resiliency and that stoicism um, is is so key because life is brutal and there are you know lots of things can get thrown your way and if you take that victim mentality and that victim stance, I think it's gonna it's a rough go. So um, yeah, I always think of that um, that aspect uh, of of life is is that there 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 is positives to everything and whether or not you can see it at that time um it, it sometimes it gets revealed to you uh later on sometimes not but there is something there is a way to grow from that yeah there is something you know you got you were damaged in childhood um that makes you who you are today and so i i there are certain hurts or certain scars in my past that have made me who I am, and I'm I'm grateful for that. And of course, yes, it's it's incredibly painful to think about. Um, but now, now look at me. You know, now look how much I've been able to grow out of that. I've learned from that. If you can't learn from some of these these painful moments or mistakes that you've made, then um, you know that's that's very tough to get through. Uh, through life. Hardship builds character, right? Um, I've got a friend, he's, he's got a couple of sayings, <laughs> too blessed to be stressed and yeah. I'm too grateful to be hateful. And, you know, I, I always try and take that half glass full approach that I've got two arms, two legs, I'm still breathing, everything else is a bonus. Yeah. You, know, you, you can work things out, you can get through tough times. You know, it's that old saying, tough times don't last forever, tough people do, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's what is your favorite sweet treat? Your dessert. 
Well, you know what? I went through, I did uh, a world carnivore month for January. And so I, I didn't do one, one sweet kind of changing that relationship with food has been a priority of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of, you know, leaving the bodybuilding world and almost that there's kind of like that binge, uh, disordered eating that getting through that. And, um, but you know, my wife's a, a incredible baker and, and, uh, you know, her cookies or she does an amazing, uh, uh, apple crumble that, uh, I just, I, I live for. So I'm trying to balance those things, uh, while, you know, maintaining a good diet, right? I can smell it from here, Matt. I can smell the cookies baking. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, if you had to pick one dinner, for the rest of your life, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but what would it be? Yeah, uh, I, it's a steak, hands down. <laughs> steak, steak dinner, I think, hands down. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's boring. But well, someone asked me when I was doing the carnivore challenge, um, "Don't, don't you get bored of eating meat?" And I, and yeah. I said, "I went, you know, when you sit in a really nice restaurant." and you cut into that really beautiful looking juicy steak on your plate and you take that first mouthful and it's like there's a party in your mouth and everyone's invited, but it's only you that can taste it. Then I get that with every single mouthful of every single meal. It's amazing. Well, I think even even vegans admit to, uh, you know, when they see a steak, it turns them like we we are designed we have these hormones and these uh uh these cravings in place to eat meat it's it's truly wired into us when i was in the farm shop a couple of weeks ago the, the butcher that i was describing um i could feel this sort of sweetness in my palate it was almost like a like you know when you're in ketosis and and you and when you drink water you get that sweet taste and it felt like my glands were producing this sweetness, we're almost saying like like I was going to die through the counter at all these different lined up wagyu cuts of ribeye and whatever it might be. It was it's, it's really strange how I get that turn up around um, me. Well, and, and I also want to point out like part of that relationship that we have with food um, as entertainment. A lot of times, it's, it's it, we look at food for entertainment, but if you're trying to listen to your hunger cues. And you're not hungry for, say, like plain ground beef. You're not truly hungry, <laughs> in my mind. If you're, if if you're, I'm looking forward to eating that plain ground beef meal. Then I know that I'm hungry. You know, and and listening to your your body's cues is so important to uh, figuring those things out. Yeah. One of my favorite go-to breakfasts, or you know, when I break my fast, like meals at the moment, is I call it beef cereal. Because it's just it's just ground beef uh, with salt, and every now and again I might put a touch of hot sauce on it just to give it a little kick. Um, but I love it, absolutely love it, Matt. It's been amazing having you on. I could have talked to you for days. Um, you've been a fabulous guest. I appreciate your time. I'm thankful for your knowledge and your experience and, and your effort that you've put into this podcast. So thank you very much. Where can the guys um, online? that want to reach out to you, uh, want to want to work with you, you know, where can they find you? Where's the best place to hit you up and come and ask some more questions and speak to you about your coach? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active, I'd say, on, on social media with uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's at uh, the.vert, 
dot coach. Um, and I also have uh, my email is the dot vert dot coach at gmail.com. So if, you know, I, I love helping people and that's kind of one of the reasons I got into coaching. It's not, um, you know, I love helping people get results. I love, uh, talking with people like yourself that are passionate about it and, and troubleshooting. So if, if anybody wants to reach out to me, even just to say, hi, I, I just love interacting with people, um, people who are kind of in this space. So, uh, yeah, definitely hit me up, uh, hit me up there. Cool. Yeah. Great stuff. Matt, I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on. It's been an epic chat. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate, uh, appreciate the time. And hopefully, maybe we can do it again. Yeah, for sure. Sounds great. All right. Take care, brother. You too, brother. Bye. Yes. Wowzers, we got down deep in the weeds there. Loved that conversation with Matt. What an all-round legend and great guy. Great conversation. Um, I would really appreciate it if you head over to our podcast, either at Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen, and leave us a review. Um, it helps promote the podcast. I'd love it if you can share it with people, friends, family, colleagues that you think need to listen to it and need to hear it. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Big up the team, Jason Discomfort. Oh, gosh.